I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they just gatekeep knowledge, you know? They're, they're to total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the hell that lie to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to fall it in. And welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining me. Tonight's show, a little something different here. We are going to look at fatherhood in this era of insanity. And who better to have on than my good friend Matthew Smith from the Old World, uh, sorry, Marvelous Old World YouTube page, and Chris from Old World Exploration. And Matthew and I have been talking about this for a little while, about doing something like this, and, and both of us have been digging into some dark topics, and this was a perfect opportunity to bring some levity and, and get away from that and get into a more uh, base conversation. Something that I, I think anyone that is a parent nowadays needs to kind of, you know, take their own approach. But these are three opinions on how we're handling it in this time of absolute insanity. You know, how do we approach the idea of questioning and doing your own research with the kids and homeschooling versus public school? Some things like the different social agendas they're pushing and how do we, you know, address it with our children and... Uh, one of the things that we hammer home here is everyone has to draw a line, right? And Chris says it great when he said, you know, they cannot cross this threshold. And, and that's what a lot of us have to do. A lot of our role as parents is to protect, you know, nurture our children. And, and not saying put them in a bubble and helicopter the hell out of them. No. But what you need to do is be there. Understand what's going on, what's being fed to them, both physically and mentally and guide them in the process give them a strong foundation and one of the things that we talk about is the attack on the nuclear family that's been going on for decades we look at mental health and health in general um, some things like toxic masculinity and how covid impacted kids and and parenting during that time 
And then, you know, we tried to wrap it up with a little levity and, and talking about, you know, the importance of humor and the importance of spirituality and, and base things to make sure that our, our children are well-rounded when it's their time to go out in this crazy inverted world. So I hope you enjoy this. This is a little bit something different. Uh, so if you want to contribute to the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the great deception podcast. I got a couple tiers out there of different stuff, but you will get all the Monday Night Master Debater videos. It's the only place you'll get those as well as any other video or podcast I put out is also on there as well as we're starting a small book collection on there. I got about 50 to 55 books now from, you know, ranging from the 1800s to some modern stuff. And it depends on what's going on with my research and what's relevant in the news or uh, hot topics of the times. I'll, I'll, I'll post some literature if I have it accordingly. So with that said, I won't hold you up anymore. Again, go support Chris and Matthew and their great work over on YouTube. And I hope you guys enjoy this. Enjoy the show. Matt, Chris, this is a, it's an honor really to be here uh, with both of you. I've admired both of your work for a long time. And, um, you know, for as long as I've been doing my podcast, which really, you know, it's not that long, it's less than a year, but I've been watching podcasters for a lot longer than that. And I came upon both of your, um, both of your work and it's just really inspired me, uh, your presentation, but um, more so how you hold yourself. And, you know, and then I realized both of you have children um, and I've just watched and admired how you uh, handle your responsibilities as fathers uh, while doing this work. And, you know, this work isn't for the faint of heart. It's not light duty stuff. Sometimes we, we you know, often we get into the deep end on some pretty uh, heavy matters. And, um, you know, Matt, I've, I've seen you just take time aside and kind of put the podcasting on hold or just kind of pair, you know, bear it, pair it down to your, your, uh, mid, uh, midnight. How, do, how does it go? Monday night master debaters. You got it. The best name <laughs> of all the podcasts. Out that is there. good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just spend time with your, with your son and getting out there and coaching. And, you know, that's such a high level commitment for a father to take on coaching a, you know, baseball team and, you know, seasons go on for three, four months. And, and I've, I've seen you put videos up there of him pitching and, and, uh, his unique style of pitching and, you know, cracking the bat and just, you know, I just think it's awesome and, and watching him follow in your footsteps. And that's been really inspirational for me. Um, and Chris, you know, what? I'll be honest, what really inspired me to reach out to you both, um, and hopefully this is the first of um, many such podcasts where dads in the podcast sphere get together and talk about, you know, the, the rest of life, um, or at least a significant part of the rest of life. Uh, fatherhood um you know and chris when when you had your is it a son and a daughter i've got two sons and a daughter 10 or 8 10 12 are the ages the daughter's in the middle great okay so you had i guess one of your sons and your daughter on a podcast with you i forget which city you were looking at and dissecting but you had them on and just exploring alongside you and just the wonderment in their voice and <laughs> and I just thought that was amazing. So that's that was what uh, you know 
inspired me to suggest that we get together and talk about uh, fatherhood in the age of insanity, as Matt aptly put it. Yeah, I think it's uh, important to instill that thirst for truth in the children, you know, instead of robbing them of that, which is what we're trained to do. I think it feels that mm -hmm. way in the society, you know. Well, and to be able to ask questions, right, Chris? I mean, that's one of the things that I think is most critical is instilling in them that it is okay to question. It is okay to ask why, you know? And and if you don't understand something or something doesn't feel right, just because someone else says that's the way, you have to be strong enough in your own ways to say, okay, well, we may disagree, but I'm, I want to look at it more. And I want to I want to dig a little deeper into it instead of just saying, OK, well, I guess he's right. I'm going to just believe whatever he says. Yeah. Following the crowd. Right. We don't mm -hmm. want to encourage following the crowd. We see that we're, we see we know where that can lead you. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've gotten a heavy dose of that recently and instilling in the kids a sense of critical thinking. Well, and it's it's really hard sometimes to thread the needle because, you know, I've tried pulling my kids out of public school. And I have a lot of respect for people that can manage, uh, you know, homeschooling. We tried it and, and it ended in tears. It was tough. You know, we got, you know, again, three boys, two and a half years apart. Um, and it was just, it was just, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was good for a little while. And then it just, you know, they have different needs. They're at different levels. They're brothers. They, you know, they don't want to sit still already. And then let alone sit still for mom and dad in each other's midst. And it was you know, now, you know, I'm trying to run a, you know, a, a full-time business design business from home and make ends meet and, and all that. So, you know, we just, we pulled the plug on it after, and of course this was during the beginning of the COVID lockdowns and stuff, and we didn't want them on, on the laptops and doing that whole thing. So that's what precipitated it on our end. But, you know, after a while, we just, you know, we, we kind of, I don't want to say we caved in or gave up or, but I guess on a level we failed at, the homeschooling um, adventure and put them back in public school. And so then it's like thread the, threading the needle there between like teaching them to be critical thinkers, question authority, not just, you know, accept what they're, they're being spoon fed while also doing their homework, <laughs> being mm -hmm. responsible students, caring, you know, and, and, and doing the best that they can with, you know, the opportunities that they have. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah, we were tempted to uh, to uh, do the homeschool thing too. A lot of our friends um, went down that route, and um, there's talk of it here too, starting uh, a school outside of the system. But uh, I talked to my three young ones now, and uh, they're really looking forward to seeing their friends, the friends that they've made in those relationships, which I think is actually the most important part of school. Um, maybe the positive part of uh, of the school system is the fact that all these young children of a similar age can gather, you mm -hmm. know, and get to know each other. But uh, you're right. It's a, you, you have to, they do walk the tightrope. There's still, there's still all sorts of um, uh, agendas, let's say uh, afoot within those systems that we, uh, we have to be aware of, you know, and there's, we have to push back on, I think a lot of the time too, if we don't agree with it as parents. Right. And a lot of parents will just go along to get along and that's how it seems to grow those, some of those things. Yeah, I'm becoming infamous at my son's elementary school because anytime there's something that I don't agree with, I will go, I will let them know. And I, you know, offer that I'm more than willing to come in and talk to you about this. 
and it actually came to a head this past spring. My, my son was in fourth grade and they sent this big, long letter home because by law they had to, because they were going to start teaching them um, about sexuality and hygiene and, you know, puberty and things like that. But then at the end, they threw in uh, gender, gender identity, inclusiveness, and one other, like something to do with race. And so I have, I had no problem with the top half about, you know, teaching them how to use deodorant, brushing their teeth, good stuff like that. That's great. But then when you start getting into those, those are more political ideas. So I pushed back and I wrote a big, long letter how I didn't agree with it and my son wouldn't be participating in it and that I would like to see what they were presenting to the kids. And so it was great because I went in. And sat down with the nurse, and I have never seen a woman more scared to say the word penis in my life. Like it was, she turned ghost white when she had, and I, I said, because she wouldn't say it at first. She was going through the presentation and she stopped and she skipped over and she goes, Oh, you get this. I go, No, no, no say it. I said, If mm -hmm. you're going to say it to my son, yes. you have to be able to say it to me. And I said, I don't see any difference between you presenting this to kids and presenting this to me right now. And so she said it and man, every time I made her read it out and it was one of those where, you know, all in all, after looking at it, it was fine. The whole gender identity that I don't know why they put that in there because it wasn't even part of the program, wasn't part of the presentation. Um, but I, I went in and, and they know now anytime they do anything, they're going to hear from me. And yep. because I would rather be overcautious when it comes to things like that. Mm -hmm. then regret not stepping in before it happens. And I think at that point, you're holding them in check a little bit so that they know, hey, at least someone's looking out for the kids. And we're not going to just totally be able to slide anything in there without someone looking it over. And, you know, I, I feel I have no problem being that guy, you know, because I, I am looking out for the welfare of my son and, the kids in my community. And I don't think that by introducing political ideas at a fourth grade level that you're doing these kids any justice and you're doing anything but brainwashing them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the point of school. Um, you know, I understand the history of our education system and what it's based on and it's meant to create workers and obedient people. But at the same time, you can be respectful and be disobedient. You know, you, you and, and they find questioning and holding them accountable to be disobedient. And mm -hmm. I have no problem right. with that. You know, you're not you're not being rude. You're being respectful, but you have to hold them in check because I think today, especially in today's day and age, you give them a foot. They're going to take a yard. Absolutely. Where are you, by the way, Matt? I'm Where in uh, Massachusetts, rural oh, wow. Massachusetts. So the other side of the continent, um, Matthew and I are over here on uh, the western side of the continent in different countries, yet we're seeing the exact same agenda roll out. Yep. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> yeah, Chris, Chris, you're uh, you're my calm anchor up north. Matt, I listen to you when I want to get riled up. <laughs> <laughs> you're my east coast. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, Matt. And how old is your son? Uh, Ten. Ten. I mean, yeah, there's certain things that just shouldn't be on the radar of a 10 year old. Well, and I can judge that, right? Like I know my son very well. I mean, I, I take pride in the fact that, you know, that's my number one priority, but 
you know, we watch television and and we're watching a program where, uh, you know, two adults kiss or two teenagers kiss. And he's still at that age where he's like, oh, man, I can't see this. What is going on here? And it's like the most disgusting. Yeah. And and so I understand and I know when it's going to be the right time to to be able to talk to him about certain things. And, you know, I think the push on sexuality on young children has an adverse effect in the long term. And I think that's part of this underlying agenda that we're seeing where, you know, now we're not just people, we're also what our sexual preference is, right? That's mm-hmm. become secondary to our name almost. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's natural, right? I mean, we're people, we're all, and what you do behind closed doors, fine. I have no problem with it as long as it's between consenting adults, do what you want to do. But when you start bringing it and, and pushing it on people, then it goes from something, so it turns to something more. And, and I'm not okay with that, with anything, you know, I think, I think anytime anyone's trying to push any, something on everyone, it, it, it has a negative effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think Matt, you put your finger on the core issue and, you know, it's so easy to get kind of like sidetracked in these cul-de-sacs of antagonistic points of view about this or that particular issue. But really at the heart of it is usurping the role of parents. Like the state is not your daddy, full stop. And we're not looking for the state to intervene with our children to help us raise them in that regard. You know, I mean, I guess they're, you know, the public school will be there as a, a, you know, a a net or a backdrop if parents aren't showing up. But for those of us who are squarely involved in our children's lives and we have, you know, a healthy uh, family structure and all that, like we're not looking for that kind of intervention it's it's not welcome and then especially when you're bringing questions of sexuality um that border on or cross into you know um body what is it dysmorphia yeah yeah and and you're dealing with mental health issues and then here in washington state uh they passed laws that allow this um I don't know if it's the schools or the state to, I think it's at the state level to uh, offer um, uh, surgery, you know, gender reassignment. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. That very Orwellian term gender reassignment Mm -hmm. surgeries and medications with for minors without the parents knowledge, without having to, it's like, I can't think of any other medical procedure that you can, you know, foist onto children without parents being involved. But well, think about how crazy that is. They 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 need a license to drive, right? And they have to be 17 in most places. And then you you can't get a tattoo till you're 18, but at 12, you can decide something that's going to change the rest of your life even more significantly than either of those things we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about how they are painting that argument out too, because they want to label people with these um, concerns as, as far right, far right radical or whatever you want to call it. So they've met, they, they attempt to push the goalposts so far that um, they're so, I think it's such a radical, um, radical state of mind to push that type of thing on children that anyone that doesn't agree with them, they have to, they have to mirror their, that thinking and push everything into the far right racist, misogynist category. They just hurl these labels at people. And that's how they seem to justify it is just by pointing fingers and say, bad person, bad person. You're a bad person for bringing that up, right? It's, it's a strange psychology. Mm-hmm. It's like an inverted psychology that I find um, that they use to uh, try to justify these actions. 
Yeah, because and by doing so, they scare off the timid. Yeah, you don't and want to be lumped in with that. There's real. Gotcha. There's really no sane way or rational discussion that you can have about it because it's a one-sided argument right i mean and that's why you notice when you when you try and talk with some people when all they can resort to is calling you names or misogynist or phobic that it it means they don't have a case to back it up Mm -hmm. and and so the way they're going to do that is they're just going to scream they're going to use emotion to overwhelm you because rash, the rational discussion doesn't exist. There's yeah. there's no rational argument and, and evidence on the other side to support this whatsoever. I the mean, system is masterful at manipulating emotions. Yes. And what I've seen these last, what we've seen these last few years is how masterful they are at hijacking compassion as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, people are, feel very strong. You know, they're, they're strongly, emo- they get emotional about an issue they want to do the right thing. And I've, I've been down this road many times. I mean, you, you, Matt, you know this about me. You, you haven't met someone who is further in, ensconced on the left side of the political spectrum as myself for years hmm. uh, and, until I had to step back and really look hard at what, you know, what good was I doing through, you know, one, my own conduct or, you know, not taking care of myself, putting it all out there and, and not, you know, not checking in with myself. And I was getting sick, I was getting hurt at work, these kind of things. And I'm realizing, like, I'm no good to my family as a father, if I'm not able to take care of myself, you know, first and foremost, like put your own oxygen mask on first, that sort of thing. Um, But so I had to realize that I was being I was being led by my my own emotion. And that actually happened when Donald Trump, ironically enough it was when donald trump was elected and i was living in a small town across puget sound called indianola it's like three thousand people out there a lot of a lot of liberal-minded progressive people there who i you know i i was one of them and then but when when trump was elected all of a sudden and and this one was true from my like east coast friends um who i still kept in touch with through facebook and stuff all of a sudden within weeks everybody was writing about how they were sick how they were getting hurt, how, you know, how they were drinking all the time, how, you know, how shitty their life had become. I'm like, wait a minute, the guy's not even inaugurated yet. He's not even the president. And, and, and it just, it, it occurred. And I also hurt myself weightlifting. Like I gave myself a sciatica pulling my lower back and I was out for weeks. So it just, you know, I'm, I'm walking slowly and I'm just in a lot of pain. It really made me reflect. I'm like, wait a minute. Like I hurt myself because I was angry lifting and I'm watching all these other <laughs> yep. people complain about this as well. And I'm like, wait, how much of this are we doing to ourselves? You know, Donald mm-hmm. Trump was not responsible for any of this. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that was kind of the beginning of a, a, a you know, a, a, a period of quiet for me where I stopped t- talking so much about everything that I thought I knew and started reflecting. And mm-hmm. along in, in along, it was very liberating because along with that was just kind of like a, a washing away of like the need to identify with you know blue team red team and and you know that was that was actually incredibly incredibly liberating for me mm-hmm. and i just was able to look at things with much more of uh you know open eyes and and um i want to say an open mind but also very discerning much more discerning about what i let in who i let in you know what well and, and what's beautiful about that is now you're going to pass that on to your children right right whereas before in the in the mindset that you were in you weren't going to be able to provide them the best that they needed 
right? Because you weren't at your best mentally, physically, right? And, and that's what negativity does to us. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've learned it firsthand. I, I went through a divorce in 2020 and, you know, it was probably the lowest point in my life. It was, you know, it's a recheck. And at the, at that same time though, I had to remember there was that one little guy that no matter what, no matter how much I just wanted to crawl in a hole and do whatever, you know, just avoid everything. I had to be there for him. And I had to show him that no matter what happens, you got to just keep going. You know, Mm -hmm. there's going to be ups and downs. You're, you're going to, you know, you're going to hurt. You're going to have joy, but you still have to keep moving forward. You can't just sit there in one spot because it's going to eat you up. And, you know, being able to share that with them and, and, and be there for them, I think is, you know, it's like the old GI Joe knowing is half the battle. Well, just showing up for, for your children is a huge, especially in this day and age, mm-hmm. you know, just for them to know that you're there, know that, you know, if they need something, they have someone they can trust and they can call and talk to. Because I mean, I, like you said, Matt, in the beginning, I coach my son's team and I see it already. Already at 10 and 11, you see some kids who, man, they just have no chance because their parents are, are lost. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not even in this realm. They're, they, the kid is there, you know, but he's kind of like third priority to them kind of thing. And it's so sad because, you know, that kid is behind the eight ball already in a system where it's the deck is stacked against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough to see. It reminds me of uh, as we went through the pandemic, um, you, f- you could feel the walls of fear closing in around you, could family distancing themselves, friends not answering phone calls for the kids. Kids wanted to have their play dates, but all the all the parents are sort of succumbing to the fear propaganda that's in the, uh, in the news. And I felt my job as a parent is to keep that fear outside my door and not let that fear enter my door. I used to say it all the time that it won't cross my threshold. You know, anyone who brings that in my house, they'll know if you're going to peddle fear in here, you're not welcome here. Right. Good. And so to keep that out of, out of our core, our area that we, that we live together, it was almost like, it was definitely like almost like a fictional oasis that we created, mm-hmm. you know, where the kids knew that there were, they didn't have to be afraid of anything. And I think it really strengthened them throughout those, those couple of years, um, and it allowed them to walk and be stronger within the school setting and with amongst the friends that that uh, whose parents were courageous enough to let them play with them, I guess. But uh, mm. you know that to to show them that fear is the real um, is the real enemy. It's the is what we need to resist the most, and not and not to be ashamed that you're afraid, but to understand what fear is, and uh, understand how it can overcome you, and to to find ways of resisting that and be, being strong, uh, having a strength of character to, like you say, move forward and or to get up if you fall and. Reminds me of the line from the Batman movie, right? Uh, why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up, right? So, yep. yeah, that's beautiful, and that's that's so true, especially with with the whole. I, I was in that same boat. I mean, my son and I turned COVID into like a uh, whenever it was mentioned, we played like a drinking. It was a laughing game, you know. We just <laughs> whenever we heard it, we 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 thought it was a joke, you know. And I made sure that there was going to be no fear. And and listen, buddy, you have nothing to fear. And it, it totally changed the perspective on things, you know, at least his outlook on it, because I've, I, like you said, I see a lot of his friends whose parents succumb to the fear 
And those kids are still paying the price for it. They're very timid. They're, you know, very afraid to mingle with other kids. And it's it's a powerful thing. And, and you know, I mean, just listening to you, Chris, it sounds like, you know, you, you do a great job with your kids. And it's unfortunate, but it's few and far between these days. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why when Matthew said, you know, he'd love, I'd love to have this discussion. This is, this is the kind of talk we need to have, right? We, we need people to understand how vital it is, especially young boys to have a strong father figure in their life. Yeah. And, you know, it's in today's day and age, I can't imagine being a kid and, and going through it without one. Yeah. 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 And Chris, I, I really like the way you um, the way you described it as you're not going to allow it across the threshold because that's what you do with vampires. You do not invite them across the threshold. They cannot enter the house if they're not invited to come through the doorway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that I mean, that really, to me, my mind uh, ties back to the type of research that we're doing. And we're looking at like what happened to these cities? What you know, who? <laughs> Who blew up Seattle? Who, you know, all these kind of questions. And it's, you know, we keep bumping against these like really kind of dark and sinister elements of of our not too distant past um, that, you know, that. And when I got involved with this, it was, you know, it was a lot of talk about resets from a bygone era. And then, you know, it wasn't long before we were hearing this you know, this language of the great reset, the great reset. we're like, Hey, wait a minute. That's the same thing we were talking about for these last, you know, two, three, four years. And all of a sudden they're using the same terms mm-hmm. and it's just like, and then, you know, and then in order to get the population to comply, you know, they ratchet up the fear dramatically. And that's how they, you know, get inside our, our in people's minds and control and manipulate them. So I think it's an, it's an awesome and powerful thing to say that's not in my home. This is a sacred. This is a sacred place, and and it's not gonna it's not gonna interfere with our family, you know, to the extent that you can. Of course, you know you have to you have to deal with the world as it is. But to be able to create a sanctuary in your own home, and that's what they I think that's what they fear. To get back to the you know question from earlier, it's you know they see the family structure as an obstruction to you know, whatever agenda that they have, whatever it is, eating Skittles, you know, the family, (laughs) strong family unit gets in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about it, right, the family is the foundation. Okay. And if you have a strong foundation, you have the the roots for a strong building. Well, the building itself is the community and, and, and that's what they've systematically destroyed, right? They, by, by taking out community first, then going at the family, now you you can't build anything strong, and right. I think you you guys are absolutely right that that family is the crucial part, and that's what they fear the most, and that's why you know ever since the age of feminism, there has been a, a an attack on the nuclear family. Yeah, they want they want to they want to destroy that by any means necessary, and you can see it in pop culture. You can see it over the last several decades. Um, it, it becomes quite clear, um, and, and again, you become. What they what they're terming a misogynist now for uh, if you start to speak out against feminism. When you mm-hmm. look into the roots of feminism, you can see the the socialist ties to it and and how deep that goes into the nefarious characters that want to have this goal of transforming the the earth into their their little playground. 
if you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. the, it goes, people don't do the deep research on this stuff. People like us do. That's why we have our channels. So we understand where these uh, movements are originated and where they come from. But people that are, continue to exist on that surface level, they just want to Netflix and chill. They're taking in all this content that's spoon-fed to them. All that con content is uh, is uh, um, laden with all these agendas, it, just in the dialogue, the way people interact with each other. And then people, emu people yeah, emulate those characters in, in their day-to-day -day lives. And that's what seems to be breaking up a lot of uh, relationships. And again, it's causing children to question their identity. All of these things are, are woven into the pop culture of our society, I think. You know? it's, yeah. it's propaganda at its mm -hmm. finest, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's pushing an agenda subtly in some, some instances and over the top in others. I mean, you look at a show like Cuties that made it onto Netflix. I mean, mm -hmm. come on. What, mm -hmm. what person in their right mind would say that this is okay? You know, this is we're, we're going to really glamorize and sexualize young girls in, in contests like get out of here. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's out there. So you ha you can't just ignore it because mm -hmm. it does exist. And, and I think it's part of our role as as fathers is to guide our children on on what is this? Right. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that I've always you know, uh, told my son is I will always be honest with you, right? I will give it to you at a level at which you can handle it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to overwhelm him with flat earth and all this other crap. But at the same time, when it came to COVID, I was honest with him. I mean, he was six or seven at the time. And, and, and I felt like by being honest with him, being open with him, they earn, you earn their trust. And at that Absolutely. point, then, then we are starting to build something real. And, uh, you know, I just think it's, it's, it, I'll go back. I'll say it a million times this episode, the, the role that we play is so crucial in this world today. Uh, yeah. again, going back to that foundation and that's what we're trying to build. We're trying yeah. to build that foundation because it's been destroyed over the last 75 years. Systematically dismantled. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will never apologize for, uh, assuming, uh, my role as protector as mm -hmm you know, um, husband to my wife as father to my children, I'm their protector yeah. full stop, you know, and if anybody's going to try to get in the way of that, it's going to be hell to pay. Yep. Yeah. And they have, and they have been, they have been systematically going at the family structure from all sides, whether it's yeah. Pulling women out of the home. So now there is no center for the children, you know, to, to go home to. You know, both parents and it's like my wife who, you know, identified, I'd probably still identifies as a, as a, you know, pretty strong willed feminist, um, you know, and I, and I, I just kind of dropped this on her one time and I was like, you realize, you do realize that when women went out into the workplace, the tax pool doubled mm -hmm. and she was like, oh, you know, and it just is like, and, oh, and yeah. what did it do to the children, Matthew? Right now, the children had to go to public school, right? A lot of those kids were homeschooled before by their mother, or now they have to go to daycare. Mm -hmm. And and so now they're spending- so You're paying strangers to it, raise your children. You're, you're spending eight, sometimes 10 hours a day mm -hmm. with non-family, right? Whereas in the past, you had, you know, um, generational 
households where grandparents live with them and, and they would take care or raise in, 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 you know, in many cultures, that's the way they do it is that the elders raise the children and the, the parents go work and do what they have to do. And, and so that is a huge mm-hmm. one, uh, you know, taking the woman out of the household and just dis- now you are dependent on the system in a sense, because and you they need- want to create dependency. Yes. Well, Matt, you touch on a, on a good good one there with the generational households where we have a society where there's a disconnect between the older generation. Either we put them in homes or they just there's like um, a general societal attitude that I've done my work with kids. I mean, not not to call down the grandparents, but there is a general societal attitude that I've done my work, work with kids and I don't want to have to deal with that anymore. I'll see the grandkids um you know, when I want to, when I can, but it doesn't seem to be a cohesiveness as far as like a learning atmosphere that I can see where, where they interact with each other and learn from their grandparents. It just seems to be much more limited interaction. And I don't, I don't know why that is and why that's happened that I, way. But. I think it stems from the boomers, mm. right? Because they, they went from this, you know, I like to say the old world style where, we, you know, mm-hmm. that living with your parents was okay to, mm-hmm. I got to get out of the house. I got to go to college. I got to get away from home as far away from home as possible. Right. And, 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 and they were worried about the consumerism and the material side of life. And and that's where I think the real split started happening with that mentality that, you know, now the American dream is in effect, everybody owned their own house, their own yard. And, and it gets rid of this idea of living in, uh, you know, f- familial estates and and staying around your family and, and keeping that generational family going. And now, like you said, Chris, we put them in homes. I mean, what kind of respect is that for the elderly is to, to throw them in homes? Mm-hmm. It's an aspect of our society we really need to look at if we're going to have any sort of healing um, at, at any deep level, you know, the way that we treat all, all different ages in our society, really. What we do with people who are having problems, we send them away into, you know, just like we send them into homes when they're old, we, if people are having mental problems, we send, we don't want to deal with it. We push them away. We put them on pharmaceuticals or whatever. But there's there's no really holistic approach to solving problems. Uh, and it's a separa- separation approach. It's not a coming together approach, it seems. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and that goes back to the Flexner report, right? In 1910, when they basically outlawed naturopathy. I mean, any any natural way of doing things was, you know, now it was termed, uh, what did they call it? Like pseudoscience and things like that. And you had to go the allopathic route to have any certification. And again, I, I think you're just spot on, Chris, between that and the food. You look mm-hmm. at what they've done to both of them. I mean, 90% of what you find in the grocery store today, you wouldn't have found 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not real food. So what does that tell you about uh, things? And that's what I'm having a tough time with with my son is trying to teach him about health, right? And just because the commercial says it's healthy doesn't mean it's really healthy, you know? Oh, but this is orange, you know? No, 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 no. There's no orange in it. It's orange flavoring, buddy. I'm like, you want an orange, you go buy it, you go pick up an orange, you peel it and you eat it. But Mm -hmm. these other things are just, they're fake. Mm -hmm. And even the oranges are fake too. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) and that's what drives me nuts. Right, Chris? I mean, 
we try you try so hard to do it the right way but even when you're doing it the right way you're still not doing it right yeah that's a tough one you can't let it consume you right like it, we see it and yeah i don't want you buying oreos get put those oreos back on the shelf i know what nabisco is and all that kind of stuff but at some level it can drive you crazy mm -hmm. right trying to cut everything out and make sure everything's pure and all that kind of stuff we know we're under attack um you know through our through our water and our air and our food um but at the same time we're spiritually strong enough i think to resist a lot of these things so it's that's that one's a tough one sort of a push pull on that one you know yeah it's fine it's finding that balance and i mean it is when, like you mentioned matt the <clears throat> what is it the flexner report you know this stuff goes way back this this agenda was laid out a long time ago i mean so when you look at the rockefeller medicine the rockefeller food the introduction of chemicals into everything, just the dismantling of the old world cities, the, the laying out of the new electrical grid. Um, the, I mean, it, the world wars, you could just see everything as, as an unfoldment um, leading up until now. And it's, it's, yeah, Chris, sometimes it's just incredibly overwhelming. I, I find myself there um, not, not infrequently, probably too often, uh, for my own well-being, like especially just recently, let's, you know, talking about kids, you know, the situation in Maui where you've got, mm -hmm. I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 kids that haven't uh, enrolled in school this year and they're not accounted for and that kind of thing, you know. So I spent the last week working out, you know, working out a video on that just to put something out there, uh, try to like give some voice to it because it's just, it, it's this, you know, so it can be a really helpless feeling in, 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 coming at looking at it as a parent as a father and imagining like if my kids were missing man i i just i don't know what i'd do i just don't i really don't know what i'd do um except i know that nothing could get in my way until you know i, I found out about their well-being um yeah. it's so, gonna take a little more than a black fence to keep me away from searching for my kid oh hell yeah yeah no absolutely and and so it's again it's like doing the type of research that we're doing as you know, at, while raising children as fathers, uh, it really like everything to me just came into, you know, sharp contrast these last few weeks. Like th mm -hmm. this is why I'm doing it. I really want to see it. I want to see a better world. I mourn those buildings that were lost, but really this is about humanity. It's yeah. about elevating our our whole condition and getting out of this morass that we're stuck in. Yeah, I think it's a positive message that we bring to the table when we dig into the old world. Like I always try to say, um, uh, we're getting away from the whole Darwinian, it was always war, 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 battle, battle, smash each other's skull in to, do, to, to get the upper hand. Uh, and we're, we're, we're seeing something that was much more harmonious, um, that we existed here uh, at a much, much higher state of being a much, you know, uh, much, much, much kinder, I guess you could say too, than what we've been told, right? So it's a very positive message, I think, when we do this old world research, um, and that's why I why I do what I do too, you know. Now, Absolutely. when you guys get into some of the dark stuff, how do you unwind? Because uh, I think that's a big thing for people, because a lot of people go deep in rabbit holes, and some of them don't come out. Right. They they it gets darker and darker and darker until, you know, it's borderline nervous breakdown. So I'm wondering what you know, what kind of things you guys do to relieve that feeling 
of uneasiness you get from doing some of this dark research? That's a great question, Matt. Chris, you want to, you want to go? Sure. Um, well, I, I smoke cigarettes, (laughs) 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 but, uh, I think I'm, uh, I know uh, many people have told me I'm, I'm pretty tempered. I'm pretty tempered in the fire. I can, I can stomach a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife will tell me that too. I go much further than uh, she can handle. And of course, anyone else that we know. Um, so I don't really get too uh, rattled when I go into the, the deeper stuff. Although I do find again that this research, like the buildings and the architecture is a catharsis for me. Um, has been over the last several years as, as I went deep down into the you know the trafficking holes and all of those types of things the you know the whole cabal element and the, the real darkness of it um, I found that this research has really pulled me back up um, out of out of the, that mindset too because you because when you go down those rabbit holes you can get very angry mm-hmm. you can very very revenge laden you you want to you want to take revenge out on these people that have done this to us and uh and I think I think I think this research for me is is the uh, is it has been a big catharsis and a way for me to uh, level off that feeling. So, for myself, um, since COVID, I started gardening. You know, so I'll you know right here I've got I've got a couple of trays of starts. You know that are going to get cycled out into the garden pretty soon. I just picked some some scallop squash that I started a couple months ago and, and really like, I'll go at it hard with this research, like the, you know, the Lahaina uh, situation. And that one really, really kept me up at night. And, you know, it, it filtered into my dream dreamscape, you know, and I Mm -hmm. was finding myself waking up angry and I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. So it was like, all right, I just need to, I just need to turn off the computer step away from it, go outside in the deck, take some deep breaths, go walk in the garden, hang out with my kids. You know, really, that's one of the biggest things that grounds me is just go spend some time with the kids. You know, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it's my presence is, is uplifting for them, but their presence is hugely uplifting for me. And it keeps me grounded. It keeps, you know, it, it keeps uh perspective for me. Um, I'll tell you a story. I, Matt, I don't know if I shared with you yet that, um my involvement with hurricane katrina recovery work back in 05 06 07 um i got really involved with that um and again that was when i was very much aligned with left-wing politics but i was representing a national organization of architects and planners um and i formed a hurricane we called it the hurricane uh the katrina um I don't relief committee or something like this hurricane task force. That's what it was. Katrina task force. In any case, I, you know, they flew me down there and my, my uh, approach was to representing architects that wanted to do something to help. I said, well, we need to go and meet the community leaders and we need to find out what the community organizations are trying, you know, to achieve and see how we can plug into that. So that was what I went there and, uh, that was the message I brought. And but the thing of it is, is I didn't have an off switch. You know, I was full throttle. And at this time I had um, my first son was born. Uh, my second one hadn't been born yet. Um, and uh, that marriage didn't last. And in the meantime, I was building a new house for us or a huge addition on a small farmhouse we bought in Lake City here in North Seattle. And um, I just went and went and went and I just gave everything out and put everything. And that was what I was talking about. I hadn't learned 
I hadn't learned to unwind it and and do the self-care and and do the grounding. It was just like I just kind of had this um yeah, it was just an unhealthy level of of um giving that in the end looking back on it, I can see was plugging a hole that I had. You know, it was it was actually ultimately was about myself anyway. Um, but I hadn't sorted through that yet. And so I ended up in the hospital, you know, doing full-time job, raising an infant, uh, building a house and running down to New Orleans and to meetings, you know, a couple of few times a week, I ended up, I, I had a, an aneurysm and I was in the, you know, they told me I was in the lucky 10% club where I came out of it pretty much unscathed. It took me a couple of months to recover, but I took it to that extreme and so I, you know, I had to really learn these lessons the hard way. But so, you learned. But I that's, learned and I feel like I key. learned and I was given the lessons in time to then, you know, to then unwind some generational patterning, right? That I I didn't want to hand that on to my kids, but I was gonna, you know, and I realized like, shit, I'm gonna, you know, my kids are gonna end up all sorts of you know, screwball, if I don't figure this stuff out for myself, like I'm a dad now, like I have to approach things differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk- Go ahead, Chris. Right, let's talk a little bit about like that, uh, the mentality too of our society that, uh, so you talked about the American dream before earlier, how it's really a go, go, go mentality and, and it's never enough. And so that you, if you, if you have a, a good job or you're making a lot of money and you're have a comfortable house to live in, it's still not enough. You have to get that second house or you got to upgrade to a larger house or right. you need another vehicle. So you're all, you're on the hamster wheel, always chasing, always chasing, always trying to accumulate more dollars. Um, and, and you're sacrificing your time, time with your kids, especially okay. uh, when I was a contractor, that was uh that was a big issue. Like I, I work in, uh, I work, I'm a teacher now and I, my, my hours are severely reduced compared to when I was a contractor. Um, and that was my worry is I was going to miss my kids growing up as I was out there on the tools until six o'clock at night, trying to finish up contracts or whatever it might be. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's our, our society doesn't really think too much about uh, um, time. Time is money. They always say time is money. Time is money. And uh, ha- we're always we're always continually chasing for more and more. And it's like a social status thing. We're always trying to build our status in society rather than being comfortable with where we're at and prioritizing our time to other things like spending our time with our children um or like you said you coach matt is that right you coach yeah coach baseball i coach a bit of basketball in the winter here too so doing those type of things instead of uh, always chasing is uh for a lot of people it's completely f- foreign concept that I, that I know and it's something that we need to change as a society i think as well prioritizing um our time yeah yeah, I think that's part of the indoctrination, right, Chris? I mean, they, 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 that go, 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 never enough, that consumer mindset. It's it, one of the things I like to, to harp on is natural versus synthetic, right? Mm-hmm. And what's, what should we be doing naturally? Um, what, what puts us in contact with nature? What puts us more where we're supposed to be versus what they, drown us with on television commercials and and shows and you know what they glamorize in society as successful um and i think they're two different things you know i and and one of the things that bothers me the most about 
um, programming these days is the dumbing down of fathers and the absence of fathers in in these shows i mean 95 percent of the shows the father's a bumbling idiot yeah you know and it's just it's so disheartening to watch because it's like wait that's that that's not a good representation but that's go ahead oh i can think of the al bundy and the homer simpson laying the groundwork for that probably even before but that's where my time sort of starts right and it's interesting so my first architecture employer jack labdeska um he was also a, he just passed away he was about 90 um he was was a master architect and and um in his office he hired me out of college straight, straight away in new jersey and he used to complain about the simpsons and the portrayal of dads in media like this and i would say oh you know it's just all you know shits and giggles until i became a dad Right. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute, you know, (laughs) and and then there's this like expectation set that dads are bumbling idiots or dads are absent or, you know, and again, that just goes right back to the, you know, the programming issue and the, the, the attacks on the family structure from every angle. And some of it's subtle, some of it's really in your face and and blatant. Um, But yeah, so now, you know, I, I look at it um i can still watch the simpsons with my kids from time and again but me too and, oh, and yeah. laugh at it um but you know and then there's family guy and then there's and then you know what i mean and it's just like yeah. never ending so at a certain point it's like hold, hold on a second you know and it's up to us to create better images better you know mm-hmm. uh put out you know elevate the culture and you know i guess that's what we're doing here starting with this conversation yeah, and you know what term really bothers me is toxic masculinity. Oh man. If yeah. there isn't a more, you know, just bullshit term out there, it's that one. Because mm. I mean we it's need, gaslighting. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I laugh because out here I've had it thrown in my face a couple times, and I'm like, good, I'll take it as a badge of honor. Thank you. Because that means I'm doing something, you know, I'm standing up. I'm not just cucking to whatever you want and and going to do it your way. This is not about you. This is about what, you know, is best for my child and and in my, how I see things. And, oh man, I just, I see it too often. And, and on the, on the other side of it though, I see a lot of these dads who are hesitant because of that. You know, they act a certain way because they're afraid to be labeled as one of those, you know, or he's one of those outspoken guys. It's like, no, we need more of those guys that stand up for what they believe in, not just go with the flow. Yeah, it's that fear thing, isn't it? That uh, they're controlling through fear, right? Fear of social perception, right? What other people think Mm -hmm. just drives, they're banking on us continuing to be afraid of what other people think. Right. You know, and that's just exacerbated by social media. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of that is to get likes to, you know, to to it's the little drip of dopamine you get when somebody likes or your post or shares it. It's like, no, that's that's fantasy worlds. You know, and there's there's nothing real about it. Yeah, I would say too the, the whole pandemic has strengthened my resolve um, in that regard. Where I could you could have gone one way or another. I feel like that a lot of people had a choice to make. Are we going to succumb to the fear, 
or are you going to strengthen your resolve and are you going to choose to stand against this? That seems to be where people have chosen one way or the other, you know. And it was surprising how, you know, how that line divided. It wasn't at all like I would have thought. And like a lot (laughs) of people that I thought would have really like, you know, taken the right stance were just, no, put your mask on and like, you know, hide away and take this you know, pharmaceutical, like vampire juice. And it's like, what are you talking about? You really? And then other people that I just didn't, I wouldn't have thought were really even like focusing on things were some of the most outspoken. And uh, so that, yeah, that was very surprising for me. Lost a lot of friends over the pandemic because people Mm -hmm. showed their true colors. And it's like, man, those are guys that I thought I wanted in my foxhole. Yeah. And I learned the hard way that those would not be someone that you want on your side because they turn as, on you as soon as things got tough. Oh man, did they show their true colors? And, you know, as soon as they started gaslighting me as, as to, you know, I'm the bad guy and, and, right. and I, I'm going to be the one that kills everybody. It's like, okay, yep. Time to move on. <laughs> and you know, now yeah. I'm the bad guy for wanting to bring up the last three years. Right. You can't even talk about it. We People don't, don't want to hear about, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I'm putting together a like a couple like a probably a two hour compilation show of just the nonsense of the last couple of years from that. Good. Just to show people how much they were duped and how you know it was orchestrated and it was a coordinated event that was planned. You know, to to once it got going, it wasn't going to stop. And you just keep kept falling for one trick after another. And and it was like all you had to do was rationalize. And that's what disappoints me, because I I gave people a lot more credit. And a lot of people showed that they just have no common sense, no real, you know, (laughs) the Jewish word is chutzpah. You know, yeah. they don't have any balls, so to speak. When it when yeah. push came to shove, they just fell over. Yeah, the hardest part, I think, was family, the immediate family trying to, you know, you thought, okay, they're going to listen to us if we say it this way. Okay, no, let's change our approach and let's let's talk to them about this and this study and how that worked and trying to find all these avenues to get them before they decide to go through with the, you know. Um, and then it's, it was very, very difficult for my wife and I to... Uh, to see family members just turn their backs on us and not listen to what we have to say um, in this regard, because we're not a doctor or because, you know, because the TV says so, you know, yeah. and, that, and close friends too, but family, because, you know, you're still gathering for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but not really because they had all the restrictions right around the holidays. Um, yeah. So th- that was a very difficult process to go through. And now we're trying to sort of, like I said, forget, all that happened and that's like a prerequisite for gathering yeah. now so right. we don't talk it's like the war world war ii you don't talk about the war yeah you know, apparently that was a thing uh, right after world war ii so it's, now it's just like we don't talk about covid we don't talk about any of that kind of stuff it's like well a year ago you were telling me i couldn't even enter any establishment without you know something on my phone and you right. were fine with that so show me your papers right right we were this close to 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 just a complete medical tyranny where you yeah you had to have that green pass or the the covid pass on your cell phone like in yeah. like in china you know and and it is a lot like threading that needle between forgiveness on some level um understanding trying to understand at least in terms of our loved ones that th- their compassion was hijacked and they fell victim you know in one mm-hmm. way or another but never forget, man, 
yeah. ever ever forget and and but being able to hold that and at the same time like allow you know some healing process to 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 occur and maybe people aren't ready maybe maybe they'll never be ready um but you know and and it, and it's it's ironic isn't it that here we are talking about family and then they they just drop this grenade right in the mm-hmm. middle of every family across mm-hmm. the land absolutely and it affected everybody right it was the perfect weapon because it affected everyone mm-hmm. and and you know like i i'm not blaming my my marriage falling apart on covid but that was the final straw right that was the nail in the coffin was once that happened and lockdowns happened that was it it was over um and and so it worked on our household um in that sense but i was wondering how do you how did you deal with it with your with your children in the sense that there's all this madness going around right there's they're told to wear a mask when in reality we all know they were ineffective um and and other than when they had to wear it at school my son never i mean we would go to stores and get ridiculed and people would get in my face and i wasn't wearing one how did you rationalize that with them um because i had a you know i had to deal with that with my son with a lot a couple of his friends got the injection and trying to explain to them what was really going on and and you know so that they were educated enough to not feel like they're doing something wrong they're being bad right mm-hmm. because then we're then we're not doing what everybody else is doing yeah yeah i mean it was tricky it was really tricky because my ex-wife um you know so i have three boys the older two are with my ex-wife and they live with their Popo and Papua, their Burmese grandparents, and they're elderly. And um, they're very concerned for them. So they wore masks in their presence and that kind of thing. And plus their mom was, you know, such a, you know, so strict about it. She wanted so badly to have them juiced. And I just, I, you know, so that I held the, you know, like, I just, I drew that line and I I held that ground and I was not going to back down. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point I, I actually kind of went overboard um and i actually threatened to move out of state if if she kept pushing me and that ended up hurting them and and you know i realized okay that's a line too far so i had to learn that lesson um because i was you know i i was um just creating more anxiety for them so that was that was the key was like you know they're my barometer you know so uh the oldest (laughs) he you know as a junior and um I guess it was, he just graduated. So it was I'm trying to think if it was into his senior year, but it was mostly his junior year when they went back to school and he would get in trouble over and over again for pulling his mask, mask down. And he would come home with these stories and I would just laugh with him. I'm like, you know, so he's getting himself called out by teachers, by the principal, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, good on you, Jacob, you know? And again, it's like that threading the needle of, of, you know, respecting his situation, respecting teachers, and also being willing to speak up for himself and and think critically. And so, you know, whereas with the middle son, he was much more fearful, very timid, very shy. Um, he's very tall, so he stands out and he's, you know, a little bit apprehensive about that, or he had been. And um, he he wanted to wear the mask. And to some point, I'm like, what are you doing? And, you know, why are you wearing that? You don't have to anymore. And this was after the restrictions were dropped. And he was like, well, 
I'm uncomfortable with it. A lot of kids are still working, you know, we're, we're close to Seattle. So it was like the infection was thick here. You know, it, you know, a lot of kids are, are just feel more comfortable with the mask on. I'm like, I look at them in the eye. I'm like, isn't Mateo, isn't that the worst reason to wear a mask? So you're just saying it has nothing at all to do with protecting people. It's no help. Because, because, and so I, I said, you can be a leader, you know, amongst your peer group, amongst your friends by not wearing it because you're going to teach them that they don't have to be afraid, you know, and just put, you know, kind of like plant those seeds and then let them, let it percolate, you know, and then let it, and then, and then you see it come from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To be yeah, a, no, a beacon. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the things I tried to do was just lead by example, right. And show him that, listen, I'm not afraid. Uh, you shouldn't be afraid. You know, we've all gotten sick before and our body is such a powerful tool that yeah. if we, we listen to it, we will be fine, you know? And, and it was one of those where with the mask thing, Matthew, I was, I'm in the same boat. My son wore it on his chin more than he wore it over his mouth. And I, you know, I, I would have fun with him and be like, okay, well, if the teacher gives you a hard time, just tell her, well, I don't have to wear it at the restaurant when I sit down. So why do I have to do it here? And just, you know, little, <laughs> little quips to have fun with it and just humor is good, pushback, humor is but you're not, friend. you're not being rude. You're just kind of making light of it. And just little things like that, because, you know, it was heavy ostracism, you know, for Mm -hmm. something as, as, you know, I say trivial, but it's not trivial as trying to get fresh air. And that's why I said to him, I said, you ever feel like there's two things. They can't tell you, you can't get a drink of water. They can't tell you, you can't go to the bathroom. And if they ever try and do that, you do what you have to do. And then we'll deal with the consequences afterwards. But there's got to be certain limits to what other people can and can't control you on. And and I think kids are so indoctrinated to just be obedient and obey that it, it, in the long run, I, I don't think it serves us well. And I think that's part of the reason why we were in what we were in in 2020. Of course, it was a lesson, right? It was a lesson. And if we let that weakness take over, I'll share my story on, on, on my experience with that time period too. Um, because they slow rolled it for the kids here. I don't know how it came out um, incrementally for you or how it worked, but so I was wearing a mask at work and, and uh, I had to weigh the options really carefully as to, do I push back on this um, or do I, do I, you know, keep my job basically. Hmm. Um, but I, I, I teach, um, you know, late teens, early twenties people. And um, I made it clear to them that I did not agree with it whatsoever. Um but that, that was for my employment. And then as they sort of brought it on into the schools, because it took about another six, eight months before the mandate for everyone publicly trickled into the schools here. Um, it was my oldest son had to wear wear it for a couple of months. And then my two younger ones were exempt up until grade three, I think it was. They split the, the primary school requirement for masking. And uh, and then, of course, they, they rolled out right, right around the time the passports came out. They, uh, they announced that all school children were going to have to wear it, kind- kindergarten all the way up, we're going to have to be fully masked all day, every day. And for me, that was, uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I said, no, we're not doing this anymore. Um, and I felt, I felt bad for my son wearing the mask for the two months because I'm up front with them. My kids, they do, they know everything that I'm into, everything that I, a lot of what I, I shouldn't say everything, but pretty much everything that I research. They they have a pretty grasp, firm grasp, but much to the chagrin of my wife, I must say. Sometimes she wishes I would keep a lot of this from them. But uh, 
Um, so what, what happened when they mandated that we were coming close to the date in the schools, I, I wrote a letter, a pretty uh, strongly worded letter to every single person that works in my children's school from the principal all the way down to the janitor. They had the list on the website and uh, made it clear that my kids were exempt from all these COVID measures. And I was expecting a firm pushback, but I got a letter from the vice principal a couple of days later saying, okay, your wishes will be respected. Wow. And, yeah. And uh, my kids were... My 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 <laughs> youngest son was in kindergarten. He was the only kid in his class not to wear a mask all the way through that school year, which is crazy when you think about it. Because he his face would have been the only face any of his peers would have seen throughout wow. that entire year, you know. And uh, the other two, same thing. I think my daughter had two or three others because there's a few of my friends uh, that have uh, that are patriots i suppose you could say um that have kids in that same school too and we pushed back and this was the early days when the convoy started started gearing up here when we really started pushing back up here um mm. until all the measures dropped i guess in the spring of 22 um but it was uh my kids are they're pretty pretty strong because of the experience they went through because that's a lot for a young person to stick out like a sore thumb like that yeah he's very courageous for oh yeah only one yeah yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Of course, then because they had to peer go. pressure at that age is intense. Yeah, it is, and they have to be strong and resilient to that, right? And I guess they have to have the tools to uh, to push back at it. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and I and like I said, that's why I didn't really hold back because I wanted them to have the self defense when that when they came at them. I wanted them to say, "Well, we know that masks don't work," and give them the analogy of what is it, uh, mosquito flying through a chain link fence. Right. Or a virus getting through a mask and all those types of things, right? They know, and it's logic bombs, right? Throw logic bombs on people. You can smell a fart. You can, virus can get through, right? That was the one my yeah. son loved. And he would use that one all the time because it it's just common sense. I mean, think it's about funny. it. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. And that's what I think a lot of people lost their sense of humor because of the immense fear Absolutely. during that campaign. So it's like to bring a little levity goes a long way also you know and i think that's that's a big part of fatherhood that people miss is that listen your kids are sponges so you have to give them that levity too you have to bring some enlightenment to their life make them laugh make them smile you know that's that's part of our job too is is to uh we're that dancing monkey you know to keep them entertained and, and keep them on the right track and I think a lot of parents have lost that because they lost that within themselves, you know, and, and I think, you know, from this little panel here, I think we, you know, we're going in the right direction with, with our approach. But again, you know, there's so many kids that are just paying the price because of their, the mm -hmm. fear of their parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And humor, humor was definitely an ally and continues to be and, 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 and a medicine and it works because it's when it's true it, it works humor works when it touches on a, on a truth and it resonates right and this is why this is why all the late night talk show hosts are relegated to doing a shitty podcast from their from their guest room it's just they're not funny they're not believable they they don't have any credibility anymore and and it's trans well they're out of touch matthew mm -hmm. you no know, that's the problem i think this whole mainstream is so out of touch with the, us you know just everyday people that mm -hmm. they they cater to such a small percentage of the population that is in their base 
Whereas in the past, I don't think that was the case as much. You know, I think they went for the broader audience and it's, I think it's all part of that. Like we talked about the long game. I think that's what they've been doing. They chose comfortable lies over uncomfortable truth. That's why I always tell my kids too. And all these people around us did, they wanted comfort and it was comfortable to go along to get along. Right. And that's what they're doing on like these talk show hosts, but they're doing the bidding of their masters, I think, to all these mainstream. Well, my favorite clip of all of them is the montage of all the people talking about how dangerous it is to do your own research. Right. And I (laughs) just I, I laugh my ass off because, I mean, something as simple as buying a car. Right. You're going to research that you're going to research different options. If you have any sort of brain whatsoever, you're going to try and find a good deal. You're trying to find what works best for you. But now all of a sudden doing that is dangerous, you know, when it comes to things that are involving your health and 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 your well-being. And it's Jimmy just- Dore had a great take on that. Right. Mm-hmm. He said yeah. we used to call that reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they did that too in Hawaii just now in 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 Lahaina the the yeah. the mayor of Lahaina is like don't listen to anybody on social media they're just it's misinformation like, right yeah. that's the new keyword yeah if you don't get it from the official channels uh it's misinformation and um yeah no it's a very dangerous thing for our elected officials to be putting out there um so yeah we need to go exactly 180 degrees in the other direction to continue what we're doing well, it's funny because I heard a, a guy was talking about this the other day and he said, he said, you Americans are funny. He goes, because uh, he goes, I have a, I have a Chinese friend and he, he laughs at us. He goes, because you guys believe some of you believe what's on the television. He goes, everyone over here in China, we all know it's propaganda and mm-hmm. we just ignore it and we go on with our lives because, you know, they're going to spew it no matter what. But you over here, let it affect you emotionally mm-hmm. and really impact your lives and, and not realizing that it is essentially all propaganda and it's all pay, bought and paid for by corporations. Well, we don't want to believe that to be true. The people that people that fall for it. Right. It's it's a willingness like it's a put your head in the sand sort of at this, especially at this stage in the game. Yeah. Like we know their playbook. Right. And they've, I think they've cast their net. And individuals like us have, have sifted through the net and they knew they weren't going to catch people like us, I think. But uh, there's people still within that net that uh, maybe our message is to say, you don't need to be in that net because that's all just fear and propaganda. You know, walk away from that. And there's other 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 places to go. Um, you know, it's, it's much nicer over here, by the way, the sun's out and, you know, get out of that net because it's it's not for not in our best interest that they do any of these things. So, Chris, you can't go out in the sun. It's dangerous. <laughs> right. I mean, this is the idiocracy we live in is that the sun is dangerous. We're going to block it out. Well, you cover know, yourself gonna... with cover yourself with a whole bunch of sunscreen too. slather yourself in cancer causing lotion <laughs> and go sit out in the sun and fry. Yeah, it's like. It's it is just... fascinating, though, like how like how they turned around and said, oh, it's just these weren't orders. These weren't laws. They were just suggestions, you know, when the CDC <laughs> was getting, you know, finally getting quizzed by the by the media to the extent that they that they did. They're like, oh, no, you weren't. We weren't even Trudeau. 
uh, you know, was saying this, oh, no, we didn't make anybody take, you know, it was just all, you know, helpful suggestions. Mm -hmm. And so what that points directly to is that have courage, have the courage to stand on your own and be the one in the crowd that just turns the other direction. Because, because that you, you will get through their net. Mm-hmm. You know, until they're rolling down the streets with tanks, like, you know, they told us these were suggestions. So, OK, so next time this comes our way, more people need to take that, you know, um, take them for their word. And and what did we lose by taking our stance? Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, I didn't lose anything by standing up for what I believed in. Yeah. It clarified things. It clarified who's on your side. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had yeah. to transfer jobs because I wasn't going to take a forced injection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. Right. I mean, but people showed their true colors. And I think that was it, it's key because people have to realize that, listen, you don't lose anything <clears throat> by standing up for what you believe is right and what's right for your family. And just because it's it's not what everybody else is doing doesn't mean you are a bad person. And that's what we were ostracized as. I mean, this was the the pandemic of the uninjected and, you know, they were going to kill your grandma and and all this, you know, you're, you're taking horse dewormers and, you know, well, and you had late late night talk show hosts joking that, you know, if a vaccinated person come in, they should get a bed and unvaccinated. Oh, sorry, you should die. Like that's how insane it was, things it was the biggest it was the biggest psychological operation ever, yeah, inflicted upon the entire human race or to yeah. the extent that media reaches. It's like that um it's a joke, but it's not like they asked the Amish how come how come <laughs> you guys aren't getting COVID? And it's like because we don't watch TV. <laughs> yeah, it's true though, right? <laughs> And it was it was about health for about ten minutes, and then it, it was in that sense it was very biblical. It was it reminded me of the uh, the story of us that Jesus is in the desert with the, the devil, and the devil's tempting Jesus in the desert. I don't know if you're familiar with all that. I grew up Catholic, so oh, I yeah. got the Bible in the back of my mind, and the devil says, "All this could be yours. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is take the right." Or they started with burgers and donuts, oh, and then they it got to. The French fries, lotteries, oh, De Blasio is it in New York? That's classic oh, clip, the oh, most cringy God. clip ever. Yeah, it there's is. a burger component too. Is it too early to have a burger, James? You know, like I mean, if I if I were him, I would just have gone home and hit myself in the nuts for the rest of the night. Oh, like, maybe the maybe fuck, he did. Man? Maybe, but <laughs> then well, but it escalated to well jobs. Right. And again, but that is still um, a material aspect. I mean, it's it's an anchor of our lives. We need our jobs to survive. But yeah. they're still catering to your to taking away something that you need. And then eventually it got to be, well, you won't be able to enter a gym. You won't be able to go to a restaurant. You won't be able to put your kids in sports. And it had nothing to do with health at that point whatsoever. Really. Yeah. They were attacking our ability to raise our family. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And to remember provide, in the beginning. Remember in the beginning, it was essential workers. Thank you. We love you. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where if essential workers wouldn't follow the medical procedure, then they were vilified. Mm-hmm. And that spun instantly. And if that didn't show people mm-hmm. the true colors of the people running this, I, I don't know what would. I mean, because now you're saying that, you know, in the peak of all this death, supposedly, 
we're going to fire the people who are going to save lives because right. they won't do what we say. So we're willing to risk all of these people's lives just for our cause. We've got we've got the Washington State ferry system here where these boats keep running aground, keep running into docks and keep like just mecha- having mechanical failures because they did they got rid of all of this you know senior senior leadership you know either people were taking early retirement or they didn't want to get vaccinated and so they got fired like washington state was nuts washington state was doing their best to follow canada and mm-hmm. you know they're firing first responders when we needed the most they're firing you know fire firemen emt police officers and like right now like this this whole story is not over at all like <laughs> It just so happened that while they were locking us down, in addition to 5G towers going up in like, you know, adjacent to the high school stadium, um, you we had our streets are just absolutely flooded with fentanyl. Yes. Like flooded in like Seattle in three years has just gotten dark, man. I mean, it's always I've always kind of felt like there's a, you know, a, a, a kind of a dark cloud over the city. And I've talked about that in some of my Seattle videos. But <laughs> Um, yeah, and that goes back even to like the, the grunge era, zombies. Matthew. What's that? Yes, that goes back to like the nineties in the grunge sure. era. Yeah, well, it goes back to the regrade projects. It goes, I mean, well, yeah, it if goes you really back. Want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle is, um, yeah, it's got issues, man. But now, I mean, everywhere, like everywhere, and you know, yep. my oldest son, he's he's going to start the firefighter academy in Tacoma, and uh, I told him, whatever you do, don't like, please, you know, I didn't tell him you can't work in seattle but i was like please like you know you're going to be just 80 and i've heard i've talked to firefighters in the city and it's like 85 percent of their time is spent mm-hmm. picking people up from the sidewalks that are just yeah gone now how do you address that with your kids um you know oh, my son right down the street yeah it's right around the corner it's it's really hard man i don't know i worry about it all the time and every day i, I i'm i'm you know working out my exit strategy but I, it's hard to uproot the kids. So just, yeah, I, I don't have a clear answer for that, Matt. Well, Matthew, that's uh, identical here. We have a zombie apocalypse downtown Prince George now. It's all over BC, actually, the fentanyl, the hunched over people. It's, it's 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 everywhere. It's I mean, that's the thing. It's not just in a couple places. This is um, an epidemic in our society that's really... Again, we don't talk about these things anymore. No, we right. just go along and pretend that everything's fine, just fine. Right. It's the opioid wars of 2020s. Yeah. yeah, good. Yeah, coming the other way. Yeah, because I mean, I what is it? Greg Carlwood had this guy on um, who actually knew something, and he was talking about how these chemicals are produced in China and then shipped to Mexico, labs somewhere, you know, run by cartels where they're cooked up into these pills and then they're just walked across the border by the hundreds of thousands and they're, they cost a buck a pop, mm-hmm. you know, and just like, oh, yeah. you, you're an immigration phobe. I see, huh? I know you, just... further, further evidence of my right wing stuff. It's oh, funny. I went from left <laughs> to, and I just stood still where I am. Like I have the same values, but all of a sudden my kids said to me one day, like, dad, you're a Republican. I hope you vote for Trump again, or again if he runs again. Yeah. I'm like I've stood still, man. You know, I've held I've held steadfast with my values, and and I've just watched things shift around me. Um, but yeah, the whole thing, like it, 
if we had any sense as a country, we'd be, you know, they know where these things are being cooked. You know, they've got the the sophisticated spyware to sniff out, you know, the the chemical plants where these things are being turned into pills and where they're coming across the borders. It's just what we're going to find out, Matthew, is much like the crack epidemic in the 80s Mm -hmm. that our government likely has some involvement in this. The, this, specifically this, again, the three-letter agencies. Fully, this, 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 sorry, just to say this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. No, no, I just wanted to say with this one point, because I really do. I, you mm-hmm. put it all together, and this is, the, you know, American, and that includes Canada, society is under assault fully. Absolutely. Yeah, we're under attack, and we're, it's to build back better, right? That's what yeah. this is. They're, it's coordinated. They actually came out and made it clear to us that they are coordinating this attack on Well, on and, and what's funny... Chris, about Build Back Better implies that it was dead in a sense, right? That it needed to be built back better. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the the infrastructure was poor. So you're not, you're not building back better on that. You have to start with a whole new foundation at that point. And they just want to make patchwork improvements to the existing infrastructure. Yeah. But sense. it's a, it's that globalist rollout, right? The World yeah. Economic Forum and all of it's, that. It's it's been made clear as day. I mean, they've right. come right out and said it, and they've said it in the mainstream media, which is so mind blowing to me. People call me conspiracy theorist because I talk talk about the Rockefellers and and I can talk about Klaus Schwab. It's like it's on your news, you idiots. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? It's, that's how I feel about it. Really, it's not even hidden in plain sight. It's just in plain sight. Like you don't right. even try to hide it anymore. Yeah, and then we have to accept it. That's what it is. They put it out in front of you, and you have to be okay with it. Yeah, right. And it, yeah, and it's a it, yeah, it's a corporate, it's a corporate uh, hegemonic, yeah, you know, one world globalist agenda that anything, whether it's religion, whether it's the family, you know, whether it's the role of fathers, um, and you know, yeah, you could you can just go down the list of any any kind of thing, set of values that stands in the way of kids eating more skittles you know <laughs> is going to is going to be um you know yeah putting the putting the crosshairs um so yeah. we just have to you know remain courageous and continue to do what we're doing and well, can we can we tie this into the research that we do because i think it's all having to do with the time that we're living in right now it's like mm-hmm. we are we are becoming aware of what we truly are i think and they are doing everything they possibly can to stop us all right and i and it's not working i don't think it's working we're we know we're you, the three of us know we're in this battle we know we're in this battle but until you accept that you're in that battle you're you're under their uh, under their grips or under their thumb. All you have to do is step out from under their thumb or get out of that net and say, "Nope, I'm not going along with whatever they're trying to push on us." And all of a sudden, it opens up like a flower, and we we start doing the research we're doing, and it's like, "Wow, it's just, mm-hmm. we are amazing. This place is amazing, and we can do with so much more than uh, than uh, they told us." Let's say, yeah, you know, yeah. I call it conscious versus comfort. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, you can either really dig in and go deep into your conscious and, and feel what's right and wrong. And and in and, and the research that we do, a lot of times that's what we go off of, too. Right. I mean, we there's not this 
mountain of evidence that we we have to go in and 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 pick here and there and go really sift through a lot of stuff. We don't have to. I mean, we could live that comfortable life where we go to our work or job every day. We you know we just eat, watch, consume mainstream television, or you know, our let our children do what every other kid's doing. And I think that, you know, going that conscious route and being aware of we're of that we have more abilities than what we've been told, that we are more powerful than we've been told, that man has done great things in the past that we haven't been told, you know, and 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 that just because you've only learned X amount of information, there's still mountains more out there. That is legitimate. And just because it goes counter narrative doesn't mean that it's wrong. It means, you know, and that's, that's what I struggle with my son with, because he knows, you know, there's some of the stuff that I get into with the, with the podcast and specifically that, you know, alternate history. And he's like, well, why dad, why would they tell us this? Cause a lot of times, you know, like we've had talks about Columbus and the discovery of America and the statue of Liberty and things like that. And, and, you know, I'm not going to blow his, like I said, I'm not going to nitpick with little things, but the bigger things I want him to understand and to just take a step back and look at, Hey, maybe there's another side to this too, that they're not telling you. And you don't have to understand the why just yet, but eventually it'll come to you. If you understand at least now that there could be the possibility of other sides to the story that just because someone who is in a position of authority tells you that, yes, this is the way it is and has always been. So that's the way it has to be. Doesn't mean you can't go out and research and question on your own. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're living through the why. I think we are living through yeah. the why. Why did they do all this? Right. Yeah. It all seems to have been set up for this time. That's how yeah. it feels to me. And it's all inversion, right? I mean, it's just inversion again, I, I, of the natural way of life. Right. That things are the way everything's supposed to be here. It's all synthetic. It's all unnatural. And that's what we've been duped into believing is the right way and, and the and the best way for us. When yeah. in reality it it seems more like a prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, natural law will ultimately reassert itself. Yes. And you know, we can keep fighting against that or we could align with it. And and along with that, I believe. Uh, I believe that divine law also will ultimately reassert itself and win out. And, you know, one, one of the biggest revelations for me doing this research, and this was even before I got into the old world in America research, um, old world cities and so forth, was the realization, I'm just speaking for myself here, but the realization that um, Einstein was wrong. Darwin is wrong. Like all of these, you know, like, like the idea that we are disparate objects separated by space is wrong. That getting rid of the ether was, was a huge historical error and it's led to no end of problems. And coming around to the idea that the ether is real and, 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 and studying, there's just a whole, you know, trove of of plasma physicists for the last hundred and plus years that have been speaking you know very very eloquently to this um and laying out the physics behind um you know behind um you know pl plasma and i'm not, not going to get 
try not to get too far afield here, but that plasma plasma makes up like nine, what a 99.9, whatever percent of all matter is, is plasma. It's, you know, the, it's called the fourth state, but it's really the essential state of matter and that everything else is a derivative. Um, Ken Wheeler calls matter hard light when I just love that as a metaphor. But I put all that out there to say, for me, it was this aha, like science and spirituality are not antithetical. Mm-hmm. They're two sides of a coin and they're completely, you know, dependent upon one one another. And, you know, as somebody who was raised um, Catholic and uh, went to church every Sunday for, you know, until I left school for college and then had two years of, um, you know, wrestling with these ideas and then came out on the side of atheism because I was so smart, right? And then spent 20 years as a devout atheist to come back around. And I I know that many people share this st- story. And, but then to have like, you know, uh, uh, actual physics to back this up was like, this is awesome, man. And then that just dovetailed and things, it's just, everything just started to click into place. When I look back at these old world buildings and I'm like, they work the way they did because their builders understood this. They understood how to use atmospheric energy and create a circuit between heaven and earth to, to, to power a building, whether it's to heat it or to, uh, you know, as, as a, um, energy resonator, you know, as a healing device, you know, go down the list, whatever it is. And then when you look at them, it's like, they're so awesome to look at because they reflect this consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so for me, geometry of it all, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, I saw everything, um, you know, I just see everything through new eyes now. And it's very incredibly empowering. Well, we're slaying sacred cows. Like you mentioned mm. Einstein and Darwin and you can go down the list. We did, we slayed a sacred cow, H.H. H. Richardson in the video yes, that we did. did. Right. Yes, but, did. but that's what we're all doing. It's like, we're questioning these figures that we're not supposed to question the ones that we have statues and books made, you know, in our, in our history books. And then we start to realize how coordinated a lot of the, a lot of this stuff is right. how they've laid it, laid out these figures for us and laid out the storyline for us. That's how I sort of see it. I think it's much more coordinated down through time Mm. um, by, by these nefarious organizations. And I point to them a lot in my videos. Right. But uh a secretive organizations, let's say. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. I love that quote, John F. Yep. Kennedy, right? Hey. And we don't need any of it. We don't need any of it anymore. Let, they're, let, all, let they're all parasites. Everything. They just, they right. feed off our energy and yeah. that's all they are. Without us, they need us as their worker ants. They're, they're you know, they're, we are the, the subjects of this. And it's not supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. And all we need to do is realize that that they have us in that state. And I think their game is up, right? It's like the bottom of the pyramid. All we have to do is stand up. Right? Yeah, or or the Bugs Life movie, right? Where they're they're yeah. saying, you know, one, don't let these ants know because once they realize that they outnumber us, they'll just take us over easily. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's where we're at. We we are powerful, but we've been told that we are dependent, that we're weak, that we, you know they're here to protect us, and without them, we're nothing. We're 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 gonna die. You know, and, yeah. and people, they, they use that fear of death out there heavily on people, which, mm-hmm. you know, is another kind of psyop in itself that, mm-hmm. you know, to, to constantly put people in this state of fear and, and, mm-hmm. and darkness, it's, it's a powerful tool. 
Well, Imagine, that, that, you, <clears throat> go ahead, Chris. Well, that, that sort of links in with the lack of spirituality, right? The materialism. Yeah. Yes. They, they've separated just, us from spirit. Go, yes. Yeah, you go ahead, Matthew. Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. Imagine convincing people that when they die, it's fade to black. Yep. That would be terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't know what happens after I die. I have this idea that like when you start to die, time changes where a moment is in an infinity. And like I, that idea that, you know, your, your um, people who have had near death experiences recount, see, you know, seeing their entire life in an instant and but if that instant keeps narrowing down but the opposite is also true where time expands outward mm. forever who, mm -hmm. who who knows what that is mm -hmm. right who who knows and uh, is there an afterlife and what does that look like and all those things maybe that's the greatest adventure of all and it's nothing yeah. to fear yeah, yeah and i think yeah and it's it's sort of i think you know the word word god and the word good are so close to each other and that's like you mentioned you're you're coming back to spirituality after 20 years of uh, being an atheist um i can probably i can relate to that in a similar fashion and it, it really happened to me at the beginning of covid um where i had to make the conscious decision um to choose good over evil or god over the devil and mm -hmm. I, I and people misunderstand me and they think i'm getting religious on them they don't, and that's the that's a trap too. Religion was used as a as as a trap in that regard as well. They used the horrors of religions to turn people away from the concept of God and good, which are two, I think are the same thing. All you have to choose is the side of good, which is the side of God. I think, and there's no religion attached to that. And there's no organized religion attached to that for me. Yeah. So, so I don't. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat as you all. One of the things that I'll never forget when you know when i was going through my divorce with my ex she said one of the things she said to me she goes i don't even know who you are anymore you read the bible and i was like it was i was like okay that's all i needed to hear right there yeah, because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't that i was reading it to become a devout christian it was for the stories for You're reading the book <laughs> the, the, yeah the understanding of it the, the you know there's something in here powerful that people find in here well maybe i can find what i need in here you know, and hear what I need to hear at this time. And I think, I think, you know, spirituality is a huge tool for uh, us, you know, to weaponize ourselves with, because it's, mm -hmm. it's about that soul connection. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. about more than just this physical consumer realm. It's, it's a deeper connection to the natural ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The soul, yeah, you mentioned soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To yeah. go back to the COVID thing, it's, um, you know, the fact that they made our children stand six feet apart proves that it's a spiritual war. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right there. You know, that we were not allowed to, um, like we, like our energy fields would infect one another. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, that's the Darwinian, you know, the disparate object separated by space um, manifested. You know, and 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 that's the other thing is like this is a, it, it has been, become very clear that it's a spiritual war. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, sorry, it's going to make it'll come back to me. Um, well, I was going to say it's uh it's not just six, but six, six, and six, six in front mm -hmm. of you, six on the sides. You know, I laid that out for my students actually when when the lockdowns first came to like the mm -hmm. symbolism was all over this thing, right? And really, really obvious, and it, it's also. I'm going to survive this and you're not. 
I'm going to squirrel myself away here and you're going to go out there and you're going to die of this horrible disease. Instead of, you know, interacting with people, having a conversation, hugging people, all these things, it's like, who can survive this? We don't need each other to survive this. We're going to, we're going to turn our backs on each other and whoever makes it, makes it, you know, really tested our spirituality. If you don't follow our guidelines, you are a pariah, right? Then we wish that you didn't make it. That's, that was the whole mind of it all was that, you, you know, it wasn't about survival. It was about survival in a following certain guidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. Like Jimmy Kimmel actually said that out loud on late night, you know, TV. If, if you don't, if you don't comply, we don't care if you live or die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was in a bunch of headlines as well. Newspaper headlines. Yeah. A couple of major. Yeah, I, me- I remember what I was going to say was just one of the, one of the, um, the biggest tells and going back to the question of spirituality versus religion, it doesn't have to be versus, but in this case, the fact that churches complied mm-hmm. re- really continues to disturb me and they could sit there and, you know, this, these, um, uh, you know, spiritual leaders were, were, you know, watching, you know, pot shops stay open, right? Because that's essential. Mm-hmm. But the churches complied and closed down. Um, that was part of the agenda, though, right, Matthew? I mean, again, oh, yeah. it had disconnect. Yeah, it's they they had and and from a church's perspective, they're all five hundred one c three, so they had a financial incentive to obey. Uh, yes, right? that and that was the biggest thing. They could have mm. said, "No, we're not. We're opening our doors," and some did, right? Some and did. They, yep, and, and and they were ridiculed up, down, and sideways, but. At least you could tell that they stood for something. There was a minister in Canada that really stood his ground and yep. got arrested. Yeah, Pavel, Pavlo, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, said I don't remember him, but he he really stood up to the to the jackboots coming, and he's Polish, I think. Polish, yeah, I think. Ar- Arthur Pavlowski, oh. Arthur Pavlowski, I think from uh, Alberta. Uh-huh. He had some very powerful videos of him standing up to the police as they approached his uh, his church. Yeah. He's still battling. He's still battling. a lot. Well, of and it, if, if you go back to the church, what's amazing is people fail to a lot of people fail to understand that confession was just the precursor to like the CIA, the OSS <laughs> groups like totally. that. They would oh, yeah. get they would get blackmail on you. And and that's how they would get all the news of the goings on. So they knew they had all the cards in their favor, and then they would hold the God card against you to get you to confess these things because they were the conduit, right? They were the connection that you needed. Mm-hmm. And and just thinking about that scam, I was like, wow, it, it never hit me until, you know, a couple of years ago when I really started looking at things with different lenses that, wow, it's amazing the the coordinated effort by these organizations they mm. hijacked spirituality they hijacked our good intentions mm-hmm. right yeah yeah and that's what's sad because a lot of people don't have the conviction that the three of us have you know and that's why i, I you know and i didn't honestly i didn't know i had it in me until i was pushed to it mm-hmm. because i had been just like everybody else i was you know trying to uh, I went to college, wanted to get a job afterwards, wanted to buy a house, wanted to have a kid, you know, wanted to have cars and have a nice property and all this. And it was all the material stuff. And and the more I accumulated, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, things are going well. And then when reality set in, 
2020 hits and all that is thrown up in the air, you realize what is truly important and what mm-hmm. truly matters to you. And all of a sudden, all my possessions went away for the most part. You know, I got it down to a, a small little U-Haul and I felt so much lighter at the same time. You know, it was this cleansing of burdensome. It's like you carry all that stuff on your back and you don't even think about it, that it's just stuff in the end. And that what really matters is us, our relationships with people, our connections yeah. with with fellow man and our beliefs in, you know, whatever it may be, is it a higher power or, or whatever, you, you know, religion you follow as right. if you're steadfast in your, in your beliefs, so be it. Yeah. You can't take all this stuff with you in the end. You nope. know, it's just what's in, what's in your heart that you, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Oof. Wild <laughs> times to say the least. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I don't know. Are they going to try and uh, squeeze us into another uh, 2020? What do you think is coming on the horizon? Here? Well, it's I'm amazing how it happens right around these election cycles, Chris. You know, <laughs> I mean, these viruses, they're so smart. Like, they just come at the right time to benefit a certain group. And, man. I wonder I wonder if it's just, you know, they're th- sending up trial balloons seeing if they can but there's been so much pushback and like i i told my wife the other day i was like you know i'm i i'm not gonna get riled up this time like mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm susceptible to fall prey to that um yeah. because you know you're apprehensive after having been through it as a little bit of shock trauma but um you know yeah, but I, what I, can I you of, do right huh? if, what can you do yourself to stop it Right. And there's nothing that one person. Yeah. So that's why, like, you have to kind of keep it in perspective, too. And that's why I love your 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 new perspective on it is that, listen, I I know even if it comes, I have to still. Yeah. No, absolutely. Even. But yeah, just not comply. Full stop. But I'm not going to get riled up about it because, you know, and, and I'm starting to see this on the right, too, where, you know, some like Alex Jones has the whistleblower. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like going, holy shit, they're coming back with it. And it's like. But then Donald Tucker, not Donald Tucker, he's a politician from Newark, Tucker Carlson, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he's like, no, they're not. And he just said this the other day. And it was it was interesting to hear it coming from somebody, of you know, with his platform. He's like, no, they're they've already played themselves out like they've exposed themselves. A critical mass of people are not going to go for it. But then what he said was actually, you know, a little more a little more sinister, which is. <laughs> I mean, he said either if Donald, if um, Trump looks like he's going, you know, prevailing in the in in the uh, polls as we're heading to the election, they're either going to take him out or they're going to start a hot war with Russia directly because they just whatever he represents to them, they cannot have it. Or China. Never. Right. Mm-hmm. They they keep dangling that China uh potential out there too with taiwan taiwan yeah, yeah you know they've drawn that fake red line there so i wouldn't so, put it past them matthew but at I the same either. time what is but, it, it, it you know again it, it's not going to touch our front door right that's yeah. the thing it's like like you said before chris it's not going past this threshold you yeah. know i'm gonna hold my ground steadfast that in my household it will not have it, it doesn't matter you 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 can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I'm I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah. And that's the strength of character that's required. It's like looking at the world 
for what it is, as it is, squarely, and then not allowing all that to infiltrate. You know, like, I can't talk to my wife about this stuff. Like, this is incredibly uh, cathartic for me to be able to talk to you, you know, you mm-hmm. fellas about this because, you know, it's just, you know, living in Seattle, there's just not a lot of people that can bounce this stuff off of. So we need, you know, we need this. We need, you know. Mm-hmm. Thinking we, thinking we, that we, this is somewhat <clears throat> magic um, mm-hmm. that they're performing. Do you mm-hmm. think that by them putting it out there, they're trying to get it going, so to speak, and, and put it out there so that they can get it on people's tongues, whether they're going to, you know, like you said, it's just throwing out air. They're seeding consciousness. They're seeding seeding it in the consciousness for sure. And I've I've told some friends of mine that, yeah, spellcasting for sure. I've had friends and I've told them if it comes back and they're terrified, because like I said, most people I know are in that don't talk about it phase. Mm -hmm. Well, if it comes back, we're talking about it again, but Mm -hmm. this is your shot at redemption folks. Yes. Talking to everybody out there who complied completely the first time. Do not comply. This is your shot to redeem yourself i think you have to draw a line right you everyone has to draw a line and you have to hold fast because jordan peterson talks about it and you know you keep you keep backpedaling and backpedaling and eventually your back's against the wall and there's nowhere left to go and it's just you and them and Mm -hmm. if you drew that line and you pushed back you know 100 yards ago you still got 100 yards worth of fight in you and i think that's key for a lot of people is to just draw a line to what you are comfortable with. And if that line is crossed, you must push back as uncomfortable as that may be, you know? And, and I, uh, to be honest, I didn't want to cause a scene. I was, I, I, you know, I had to move to a new town. I'm from Connecticut and that's where my family was, you know, we were living. And then my ex took my son up to Massachusetts to be with her parents. And so I needed to be near my son. So I'm in a new town. I don't know anybody, but, and I'm not here to, you know, be that guy, but at the same time, I'm not willing to let them run rough shot on my son, you know, and, and that's the line that I drew. And as uncomfortable as it was for me to really push back uh, against the school system the first time, because it's really not in my nature to 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 challenge them that much mm-hmm. and then it was like okay well but yeah but this is different this isn't just them teaching him you know a certain thing this is a mindset and this can this can go on for uh have a long lasting effect on them mm-hmm. so you know everyone needs to just figure out what what is that line for yourself and yeah. and what are you going to do when they approach are you going to push back? Or are you going to concede? Right. And I, Chris, I like your idea that there's redemption. Yeah. There's yeah. an opportunity, you know, because we've seen enough. Mm-hmm. And if you're paying attention at all, we've seen enough. Yes. They've lied to us up down. And, and think about it this way. I mean, if the government was your wife, right, how many times can she lie to you before you just have no trust in her whatsoever? And you're like, this is done. I don't want any part of this anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what they've done to us for the past. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of years, but in more recent time, you know, the last five years, they have just ramped it up and lied over and over and then told us that we were the ones that were spreading misinformation Mm -hmm. for, again, being dangerous and doing some research and and looking outside their little box and their little prism and and 
and going to outside sources, which so many people have to do. One of the things that I say to everyone is if you can go to old bookstores, find books from the 1800s or go online and find PDFs mm-hmm. from pre-World War One and read those and read about a different world mm-hmm. than we're in right now. And things yeah. were much different back then. And you can still find proof of it. But you have to get outside the, the you know, the mainstream history books and, and go look at source documents and things like that. And you mm-hmm. will find stuff that will absolutely blow your mind. I think I think the beast is flailing right now. I think we're uh, um, I think we've actually delivered the death blow already. <laughs> and uh, we're but but as the beast is flailing, it'd be a very dangerous time. That's how I've heard a few people use those types of analogies. And I think it's, they've never been more exposed as they are right now. They've never been in such a panic mode that they've tried so hard to censor us, but we're still here. Yep. Tried so hard to, to bury all of this, but new waves of awakened people come along and pick up the torch of the people that get buried. So I think uh, I think it's only a matter of time, but but it doesn't mean we sit around and do nothing and and just ho- and hope the beast dies. We we have to be a part of that process. I think of uh, you know fi- delivering that uh, that final you know the beast beast is twitching, so we just need to turn the spear and and end yeah. it. I think I think humanity yeah. it's our time for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As, 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 you know, like toxic as, you know, the internet and social media and all that could be and how it's, you know, weaponized to affect the minds of our children and that kind of thing. It's, you know, it's a double-edged sword that we're able to wield to have these kinds of conversation and put this kind of information out and compare notes and say, Oh, you notice this in your town. I noticed this in my town, like, wow, a whole new image is emerging, but it took, it took like a YouTube platform you know, to be able to actually curate and sort through, you know, a a lost history. And, and, and and so, you know, they, it could get to a point where it's just too uncomfortable for them to have all this information out there. So they pull the plug, but then they'd be doing us a favor anyway, because we know enough. And (laughs) so then we'd get rid of the toxic shit from the social media and spend more time with our kids. Win-win, right? It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah. And I guess that to your point, like, and I really like that, that, We've already won. Yeah. And I think because I think the Internet got away from them. Right. I mean, they they thought it was going to be this great control tool when in reality it's been a great awakening tool. I hate Mm -hmm. to use that term, but a lot of people have found things that they never would have looked for before because of the resources on the Internet. And I think it has exposed tremendous holes in their in their system and the trail right in the past they could say whatever they wanted and then flip-flop on it well now we can hold them accountable and we can show you know people like fauci saying in 2005 that natural immunity is better than any injection you could ever get but then in 2020 he says no 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 you know this this overrides natural immunity which you know now you can hold them to task and say well hold on yeah, you know, you said this before. Why are you saying this now? And yeah. I think I think it's a powerful tool for us if we use it in the right way and aren't distracted by, you know, the little things and and our because I think there's a lot of that sent out there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, that to what you're saying, Matt, I, about you know the power of the internet. It's I I you know I have to believe that this is a, an example of the div- divine law asserting itself 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, this is a very powerful medium of communication. And, um, you know, there's a higher truth, a higher principle that's emerging through it. And that's yeah, not well, by accident. No, and the, the, our ability to connect like this, like there's mm-hmm. no way I would have met Matthew and Matt from the States. You know, I would have to driven through there, set up my tent trailer and driven into Seattle and bumped into you in a coffee shop. But we didn't we don't happen. have to do it though. Yeah, it could have happened. It could have happened. But it's unbelievable that the fact that we're able to connect like this, it's it's a unique time yeah. um on our on our timeline that we know of anyway. I don't really know exactly what history is, but uh, mm. uh it, it's a it's a real advantage we have is our ability to connect with like minds and to and I think when we connect like this too, it's like uh, the sum is always greater than the parts. Yes. Yes. It's like what is it? There's a word for that symbiotic or symbiosis. Yeah. So that's how it feels, right? It's like all of a sudden I get I'm able to clarify a thought because you guys are clarifying your thoughts, and it just sort of comes together and becomes more powerful than it would have been if it was just me rambling in a live show, right. you know, to myself or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah, you feed off each other's energy, which is a very powerful thing. And especially in when it comes to thoughts, right, and discussions, I think we open up so many possibilities and so many, you know, know, like portals almost for people to think, you know, use your brain in a way that you wouldn't have pre-internet. You know, we were just consumed the television and mindless stuff. Now you can go get valid and great information and meet these people right i mean matthew and i i don't know how we ever connected right but it was it happened and it's been beautiful i I, i'm so thankful to have met people like you all because Mm. it is not only reassured me that i'm not insane as so many people have called me Mm -hmm. but that also what we're doing has a has a purpose you know, there is there is a point to us doing this, and and the time that we invest is not just wasted, mm. because I've I've had that debate with myself on numerous occasions. Am I why am I doing this, right? Yeah. Why am I putting all of this time and energy and effort into this when I could be doing other stuff? Well, Matt, I heard you say that you were born in New Jersey. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. See, well, yeah, we we find each other. So yeah, again, <laughs> one way or another. What do they call? Are you New Jerseyites or New Jerseyans? What is that? I don't even know what you call us. <laughs> Jersey, yeah, I don't know. It's the armpit of America. <laughs> is that um, what it? Is? <laughs> uh, forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and I um, imagine that both of you may want to get back to your families, but so maybe we can start winding this down. But I want to, I want to make this final point for myself is. What's become so clear for me is in these last few years is the difference between groupthink, you know, like of the hive mind ilk and a conscious collection of enlightened individuals who have done their work, mm-hmm. right? And are, you know, and are aligned with <clears throat> higher principles, you know, mm-hmm. and like coming together as we are and you can feel you know, we can feel the, the, the high vibration, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I said. Our, our past crop, I mean, I've drawn inspiration from our, some of our talks, right? I mean, that's w- which I'm not going to get just talking to someone in my local little area, 
right? I mean, it's it's a powerful thing. And, you know, I, I'm with you. I really feel like I feed off of other creators' energy. Yeah, and absolutely. especially when you find the right mesh of people, you know, again, like you guys said, what are the chances that the three of us ever meet? Yeah. I mean, it's it's so minuscule, but it's the law of attraction. Yeah, yeah, but coming together like this is such a powerful thing. I mean, this has been just an outstanding discussion that I think a lot of people can benefit from. And it's positive, yeah. right? In this time when you can dwell on all the negative things and, and all of the, you know, the sky is falling and they're poisoning this, they're poisoning. No, I mean, you can you can still live in this. You just have to find the right people. Find your your people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think we provide pathways for each other as we uh, as we get together. And maybe you're feeling a little bit stalled in one area of your research or one of your interest areas. And all of a sudden, you know, an idea, Matthew will say something and all of a sudden that'll spark an idea in my mind. And it totally syncs. Right. We have get all these syncs, uh, synchronicities in this research that uh, we're right. helping each other with to help each other along the path and giving each other other options to explore by the little tidbits of knowledge that uh, we've accumulated in our research you know, yeah. in our lives. Yeah, isn't it wild? I'm sure you guys have experienced this where you'd like, you figure something out, you've studied this thing, you put these pieces together and, and then you hear somebody else present just that set of ideas. And it's just like that validation. It's like, I'm onto something. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that same. It's like you have receptors, mm. right? And those reset, once you put them out there, it's going to start sucking in anything that's like that. And all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, I can't tell you how many times I've been researching a subject. And then all of a sudden up on my phone pops a notification. So-and-so just did a video on the same thing I'm researching. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is great. Let's go check it out. And okay, good. Yep. And it it inspires me to keep pushing on with my research and finish my product so that I can put my spin out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's symbiotic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The connections, right? It's uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a lot the of fun too. realm. It's also a lot of fun. I really enjoy the old world research. I got to tell you. Oh, there's, really- uh, it, it's like a drug, Chris, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those things where you get into it and it hooks you. It's, yeah. it's so enticing and, there's so many angles, right? I mean, we, we all do old world research, but you look at our catalogs and we've all hit some very different areas yeah. on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it might even be the same space, place we focus on. Yes. And it's just like, wow, there's so much to dig up. And you could do a whole other um, set of research on the same place and, and get all sorts of, like, I get so much amazing feedback from viewers that are from the area that grew up in the, I had one guy, He's like a custodian for the high schools. I can't remember where it was. And he's like, I got the keys to all these high schools and I go underground and there's tunnels everywhere. And it's just like, wow, I'm getting so much more perspective on these places. I've never been right. um, just by putting these little videos out with me just on my screen with, a, you know, just talking about buildings, Yeah, you know, so it's pretty funny. I'm meeting with a woman tomorrow at Car Creek Park, which is <clears throat> in North Seattle on Puget Sound. And she said she's shown me pictures. She's found melted bricks down there that she's convinced are from the 1889 fair, uh, fire. Wow. wow. So, yeah, she reached out to me and it's like, hey, I got some melted bricks to show you. And that's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's connecting the dots, right? That's the way I look at it. I love it. And especially when you can find others 
like you said before, Chris, there's, I get no more pleasure than when one of my, you know, viewers or someone comes back with some really relevant information. It's like, okay, good. I'm not just doing this. So I'm in an echo chamber. There's actually other people out there who can validate this. Yeah. Validation is the word I had in my mind too. Yep. Validating our research for sure. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, this has been an outstanding conversation. Thank you very much. This is real. I've, this is the most fun I've had since I started doing this. And I needed to, I needed to connect with other uh, men, other fathers like yourselves. And I didn't know we were going to end up talking about COVID so much, but I think we needed to. So you know, it's it's this is important stuff, and uh, it's also important that we um, that it elevates us, that it uplifts our spirit, and that we have fun doing it. So thank you for that perspective, both of you. Yeah. Thank you both. Matt, it's nice to meet you. This is our first time conversing. So we have to do it again. Yeah. I do it again. Yeah. And we have, we should do one based on the old world. Maybe next time we get together, we'll leave the uh, virus talk out of it. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Pick a subject, any subject let's roll. Yeah. Yeah. I am in, I, there's nothing that I enjoy more than old world. And especially hearing, you know, perspectives like you all it's, it's, so amazing you know i I was into history growing up but now i'm learning like real history and alternative history and it's just got me captivated mm-hmm. yeah it's electric yes <laughs> literally so <laughs> should we wrap it up here let's do it Sounds all good. right gentlemen we will do this again and uh we'll figure out that old world topic and bore down into it and i look forward to the next time we get to talk yeah, and Chris, where can everybody find your stuff? Uh, I'm I'm on YouTube, Old World Exploration, uh, and I just started a Rumble actually, um, where I'm doing a few more interviews these days um, that are maybe a little too hot for YouTube. I think maybe too hot for YouTube. I don't know what their standards are these days, but uh, those are the two places. I'm also on Instagram under Old World Exploration as well. So pretty straightforward. Excellent, guys, go check out Chris's great work. Thank you. See, Matt, that's why you're the professional here. Oh, <laughs> I, forget, well, I, well, I forget to do all the marketing stuff. It was it was twofold because I wanted, not only do I want people to go check him out, but I wanted to make sure I'm not missing anything that he does either. So, because I follow your YouTube and it's like, okay, I don't, some guys have like, like you do a rumble where they put alternate material. Because I know I, I put maybe 5% of my stuff on YouTube because I'm just so sick of getting strikes for nonsense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well matt where is your stuff where can we find you you can find yes. everything great deception podcast the great deception podcast and you know i do have like i said i have a youtube channel my main spot is my uh patron page and i put all the videos out there for my show my monday night master debaters show and then uh i started this summer adding old books so i got about a little over 50 old books from 1800s early 1900s some even older than that out there that are relevant to topics I'm researching. So a lot of the times when I do research and I find a cool book, I'll share it with my patrons. Or if if somebody uh, outside of the Patreon wants it, they can always just DM me on Instagram and uh, I will unlock it and or send you the PDF too. So yeah, I'm, I'm not here to hide information <laughs> from anybody. I Anybody that wants it, I will be more than happy to send it to you because um, I think that's part of this this key to what we talked about tonight is the information sharing and and giving everybody the tools they need to be able to 
you know, I mean, we, I know this is a fatherhood episode that we can be good leaders, be good men. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I I think it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Your Patreon account is, is amazing. It's just a trove of knowledge and it's the best value in this business, really just to, I encourage anybody to go and subscribe to your Patreon account and, uh, you know, just to be able to avail themselves of, uh, the vast wealth of knowledge that's, you know, yeah, that's what held there. Good work, Matt. Yeah. And Matthew, where are you? Well, I'm at Marvelous Old World, uh, strictly on YouTube, simply because I don't don't have the bandwidth to figure out Spotify. And uh, I'm terrible at self-promotion. So I just put my research videos together and I, you know, upload them to YouTube. I've managed to get that far and it's working so far. I haven't had any strikes or anything from, you know, any of my content, but maybe I'm not big enough to pay attention to yet. So we'll see how that goes in time. Um, yeah, my architecture work is at dreamdesignbuild.org and uh, Instagram at uh, yurt designs. So that's where my, that's where my work is. And um, yeah, check it out. Thank you again, fellas. Thank you very much uh, for an amazing conversation. Been a pleasure. Thank you guys. Young man, particularly young black man, hit me up being like, yo, I can't wait to be a dad. I can't wait to be a father. And I feel like I owe those young men to tell them, like, bro, this is hard because it exposes things about you that you don't know about yourself. It exposes all of your insecurities. Man, it's a huge emotional undertaking. Bro, when you see this and me playing with my baby and it looks really cool and you want to have those moments just know that that's the upside it comes with a downside and it can be incredibly painful so before you take on a family bro go see somebody about your past and go see somebody about the trauma that you've endured throughout the course of your life and start healing because if you don't heal from that you'll have all this and you'll never be happy especially anybody who thinks that you can just pour water over a lady and a baby and have a happy family overnight. This ain't oatmeal, man.